0: Our scripture verse of the day is found in your bulletin. Would you please say it with me? Turning toward the women, Jesus said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for this day. We ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer Amen. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house, and he sat at his table, and we wonder why. Why, when Jesus was constantly getting on Pharisees and Sadducees, would the Pharisee even invite him in, and why would Jesus go? We don't know the Pharisee's intentions yet, but Jesus does. In a few verses, Luke will tell us. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisees' house, she brought an alabaster jar of ointment. Do you see? She has no name. But she has a label, sinner. Notice, not by Jesus. An expensive jar of ointment? She's poor. How would she get that? Could it have been an inheritance? Could it have been a gift? Most likely the most valued possession she has. She could have sold it. She could have used the money for food and necessities, but she didn't. And perhaps she didn't even know why she saved it. But we're about to discover why. And she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. How does a woman have an expensive jar of ointment, and not have a towel to dry his feet. Well, maybe in a rush to get out of the house to go where Jesus was, she didn't have time to grab the towel. She was excited. She had to get to him. She had to touch him. She had to give thanks to him. She had to love him. Perhaps... Those details just weren't important to Luke. We didn't have to know the why. And so we find it hard to do something that she does. My friend Steve Olson loves to say, we got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And she does it. She just had to worship him. Our topic from last Sunday, she just had to worship him. It was the core of who she was and is. And then our topic from today connects, she had to connect with him. And then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with ointment. She who has no social status, she who has no name, she who has no invitation to be there, she sees Jesus for who he is, the Messiah, the Son of God. Do you know what kind of ointment that the women will use when he goes into the tomb? the kind from the alabaster jar. You see, she sees him. So I ask you now, what does the love of God look like? I'll tell you, it looks like her stewardship of her worship of him. All of her heart, all of her mind, all of her body, all of her soul, and her possessions, and her greatest possession belongs to him. And the Pharisee only sees what she is not. And Jesus only sees her and all that she is. You see, she's rich in faith. He's the Messiah. He gives her value. He sees her worth. What is the call of the church of Jesus Christ to look at others, to see their value, to see their worth, to call them brother and sister in Christ Christ? She's rich in hope. She has the power she knows through Christ to have her life completely changed. What is the call of the Christian church today? But to change lives. And she's rich in love. She has so much of it. It's just pouring out of her from the jar to her tears, from her hair. What an extravagant gift she gives Jesus long before that ointment is going to be upon his body. She gives him such love. The world doesn't see her. Jesus does. She sees Jesus, and Jesus sees her. What a connection between the two of them. So into this beautiful scene that we've just described, this beautiful moment between Jesus and this woman who's who's on her knees, and remember, you sit at a table and you sit down on the floor, so his feet are behind him, and she comes up and she drops to the floor, and with these tears of love and joy pouring all over his feet with the ointment, she then dries everything with her hair. She's giving all she has to give, and Jesus sees her. Oh, but then here comes a dose of the world's cold reality. Just like us. Perhaps we leave church on the spiritual high and we're barely to our car. When we check our phone and see the news. When we remember all that's kind of growing wrong in our lives right now. And here it comes right at Jesus. Verse 40. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw it. His connection with this woman. He said to himself. Himself. If this man were a prophet, okay, so now we know why the Pharisee invited Jesus into his house, into his table, because he wanted to trip him up. He really didn't believe in him. And the Pharisee didn't believe in Jesus, yet still Jesus went into the house knowing that. Jesus sat at his table knowing that. And man, it makes you think of that last supper with Judas, knowing all that Judas would do. He still wiped his feet on his knees, like the woman on hers. Why? Because he loves with an extravagant love. And it says in scripture, whenever you knock on the door and you ask Jesus to come in, he comes in, no matter what will meet him, even a cross. Jesus had the opportunity to try and connect with this Pharisee, so he did it. And the Pharisees' words, they just cast judgment upon Jesus. They are so harsh. If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him and that she is a sinner. Now, remember I said that this man is a leader in the church. People go to worship and hear him preach and teach. That's the inner voice in his head. And he says it to himself. I wonder if he said it out loud, he would have been afraid of what people thought about it at the table with him. And here's the only problem with that. Jesus, he doesn't need the words to be spoken aloud because he hears the words of the Pharisee. And immediately Jesus turns to him and he says, Oh, Simon, I have something to say to you. Jesus spoke up. It's another way of saying, Simon, you better pay attention. Simon, you will listen to me now, a voice of authority. Teacher, he replied, speak. My, how sweet that sounded in front of all those at the table. Then in the three short verses, Jesus seems to take Simon and all of us in a different direction because you know Jesus. Every time he answers a question, he answers it with a question and he embeds it in an illustration and we kind of think, wait, what? So here he goes. Simon, pay attention. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. To Jesus' listeners, the conversion of that would be 500 denarii would be 1,000 days' wages. 50 denarii would be 100 days' wages. So it's a whole lot of money, which means to those who were listening, nobody would forgive that. And when they could not pay, said Jesus, the creditor canceled the debts for both of them. And here's his question. Simon, which of them will love him more? And there Simon, front row, hand in the ear, pick me, pick me. I got it. I suppose the one for whom he cancelled the greater debt, and Jesus looks at him and says, You have judged rightly. And we're like, wait, what are you doing, Jesus? And then turning toward the woman, he's looking at her and he addresses Simon. Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. That is standard hospitality in the days of Jesus because the road is dusty. But she has bathed my feet with her tears. She has dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet, worshiping me, loving me. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with ointment. It's almost like, if you don't get the illustration, if you don't get the question, let me point these things out so you get it, Simon. And then Simon still doesn't get it. So just in case he wasn't getting it, Jesus goes on and he says, therefore I tell you, her sins, which you pointed out, Simon, are many, but they've been forgiven. Hence she's shown the great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven Because the person thinks they don't need forgiveness. Loves little. Another question, this time right at Simon. Which are you, Simon? Which are you? That's the implication of that conversation. And then Jesus says to her, Meanwhile, he's never looking at Simon, he still has his face and his eyes are meeting the woman because remember, she has worth, she has value. Every time he speaks about her in this passage, every time he directs a question towards her, every time he looks at her, he meets her where she is, no matter what's going on in the room, he loves her. And in that moment, at that table, he stands between her and the world who casts her out, who judges her. Just think, all those at that table lived in her same town. They walked the same streets. They didn't even see her. She could just kind of be thrown away. Imagine. Throw away people. We call them those people. But those who were at the table with him, oh my gosh, we forgot people were there. They were at the table with him, and look what they do. They say among themselves... Whisper, whisper, whisper. Who is this who forgives sins? The whispers, those who talk among themselves. Clicks, imagine the first click sat at Jesus' table in the lunchroom. Please tell all your middle schoolers. Lunchroom and lunch tables are hard, and Jesus was there before they ever entered theirs. Those are the naysayers, and they're everywhere, right? They're everywhere in our lives. And Jesus says to the woman, even though he hears the naysayers, right, he ignores them. But would, how much would our lives change if we didn't preoccupy ourselves with all the naysayers in our lives, right? We reach out in love, and we don't let them take us on a road, that sends us far away from Jesus. So Jesus ignores them, even though he hears them. You know, he kind of knows they're always going to be there, but he's ministering to this woman, and nothing will sway him. And he says to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Only Jesus can grant us the gifts of his abiding peace that is not dependent upon any circumstance this world throws upon us. So what does this have to do with stewardship? Well, it has everything to do with stewardship because stewardship is everything we do after we say, I believe. And you did that when you became a member of this church or if you're visiting, when you became a member of another church. The first question you're asked, baptism, new members, ordination, elders, deacons, pastors, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And you said, I do. So now stewardship Is everything that follows after those two words? Our prayer of dedication this morning, written by Kate Our God is the God of all good gifts. Each and every one of us in this sanctuary today have been blessed by God to be a blessing to others because stewardship is everything we say after we say, I believe. Each and every Sunday in worship through our prayer of dedication, we place in God's hands the gifts of our money and our time and ourselves. Jesus calls us as the Rosedale Gardens Presbyterian Church to be his hands and his feet. So we ask God to use us, all of us. We sing that song, I'm going to live so God can use me our hands, our feet, our voices, and today Jesus teaches us with our eyes, with our eyes to really see people as he does, to bring peace and comfort, connection and joy. And Jesus calls us and he tells us and he shows us in this passage today that we are to use our gifts to strengthen his church, to strengthen one another so that we may take care of all those in need. And how do we do that? We put that little satchel around our necks and we start scattering seeds of joy to connect with others. Today, on your leaf, you're writing the name of someone who did that in your life. That all these years later, for me, 40 years later, I attribute this person to helping me know and love Jesus because she modeled it. Today, you had three examples, Charla. Who stood up here and showed us that, that the stewardship of our children is paramount? We have our time. We put a lot of money into this program. We put teachers, we put advisors, we put youth directors, we take trips. We teach them everything we can teach them. We even have four rooms this year so that they would have an amazing experience. And our little ones in the Faith Works class are literally going around their little room based on an order of service that is based on ours. Then we have Kelly, right, who shows us the stewardship. It's an incredible way to reach people. Paul had to get in a boat, right? And he had to travel all over. And 27 letters later, he spread the word. Do you know what we do? We click a button. Kelly, every Sunday, sits in the back. There she is. And she takes the service and what we learn, and she sends it out, not just to the neighborhood to the world the world knows what rosedale gardens presbyterian church is about and oh that crop walk we give of our money we give of our time we walk because people walk who don't have food and water and today in solidarity with our brothers and sisters around the world we walk because they walk our yellow pages insert is in the bulletin If you are already serving in an area in the life of the church, please check it off. We want to know where everyone is serving. If you're new and you don't know yet where to serve, take this home. Check it out. If there's a place where you think you'd like to serve where God is calling you to serve, bring it back and we'll connect you with that area in the church. So like the unnamed woman who came to Jesus with a humble and a grateful heart, may we do the same may we keep our connection with him and others alive and well. Because don't you see, only Jesus can take our scattered seeds of joy and turn them into changed lives. And that life, it may be your own. God is good all the time and all the time. Amen.